Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions Steve Dosh, Rinko Levers. All right, thank you, everybody. Thank you. Another week of wrong and wronger. I can't believe that the, the network is letting us stay up as long as they have, James. I think part of it is the network doesn't know we exist, which is good. <laughs> if they ever found out, they would pull the cord. I think we've got an extension cord running out the window <laughs> to the network. Welcome to Wrong and Wronger, the, uh, the, the podcast that is kind of a micro-podcast. We do under 20 minutes a week, and we debate topics that most people are heated up about. And we will we'll slog it out. And that's uh, a James Breakwell verb, slog it out. James Breakwell, by the way, sitting across the table from me, he is the esteemed exploding unicorn, and he is a guy who loves beer, but never if it doesn't have one of those little umbrellas in it. That is my co-host. Well, it's the key to the flavor, man. Otherwise, the sun gets in there and wrecks the whole thing. That's just science. That's not even... (laughs) It's not even me, me being persnickety, man. That's just, that's reality. Well, James, uh, and don't forget, Breakwell's book is coming out this week, and I just want to give a quick plug to you, sir. Go to Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, pre-order those suckers. Yeah. Only dead on the inside, a parent's guide to surviving the zombie apocalypse. And uh, did you pre-order yours? I, I pre-ordered mine months ago when we first did talked you about really? it. I, I honestly I did. did. I honestly did. I did not know you. I, all you do is sit here and disagree with every single thing I say. I assume <laughs> when I told you to order my book, you would just blatantly refuse. I would, and lie right to your face about it? Does that seem <laughs> yes, like absolutely. Me? All right, you I'm know me well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, today... Uh, well, now we do need to go through, prior to festivities, we have to go through the pomp and the circumstance of saying something nice about each other. I didn't introduce myself. I'll let you do that when you give me a heartfelt compliment. Well, okay, here we go. Uh, Steve <laughs> a esteemed psychiatrist, but also, also an underrated makeup artist, for the roller derby circuit. That's true. He, people don't know this about, about him moonlighting, but he's actually has far more of a reputation there on the underground makeup scene. Yep. You know, and it's not just it's not just making him look pretty, it's making him look fierce. I mean, you, you can tell us about it. Well, I actually one of my sweet spots is dealing with women who are crying and in pain because, you know, my <laughs> wife nightly walks into the bedroom and uh, she, her face is just a mask of pain. And so the roller derby seemed like a natural transition to me. And makeup, makeup has been something that I have spoken the language of for so many years since I was a child. I went through a clown phase, like I'm sure most children do. Come on, we that's, all do. That's normal and healthy, right? <laughs> I went through, uh, I went through a little Barbies phase, and that was, I mean, that's natural. It's little boys exploring, little girls explore boy toys. Uh, my mother said it was all perfectly normal, perfectly healthy kind of behavior. And the roller derby thing, it, I just kind of fell backwards into it. Literally, I was drunk, and I was walking <laughs> through. I feel uh, like that's all of your stories on here. Just well, summarize them as you were drunk. <laughs> I was wearing pants, unlike today, sitting here oh! with you. <laughs> but I, I was at. You want to explain our viewership numbers? That's why, right there. We don't need to <laughs> look at any other metric other than that. We might number lose. of pants worn zero. <laughs> number of ho- number of hosts wearing pants is almost equal to the number of listeners that we have consistently. <laughs> 
But I did. I was walking through the Nashville Auditorium. Roller Derby was going on. It was the Nashville Thunderbirds, uh, the Lady Thunderbirds, of course. And I was trying to juggle. I was sort of carrying four beers and and two brats. And I had one of those drink carriers. And uh, as the girls were kind of whizzing by, and I mean that in the not pee in the shower kind of way, the, the, the breeze, because I was kind of tipsy and a little bit top-heavy with all that beer and, you know, my natural awesomeness. And I, I fell backwards over the railing, and a couple girls flipped over me and did just face plants right into the concrete. And I was able to say, I can make that look good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my well, story. That story certainly was long. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> on your career. Well, James Breakwell, not a lot of people, because James is so shamelessly plugging everything that James does. James is James is a marketing machine, but people don't usually talk about his generous side. He once donated 150 bucks to the Tone Deaf Adults in the Music Industry Foundation, and that one is near and dear to my heart here in Nashville. A lot of tone deaf people are cranking out pop music right now, and James is on the leading edge of finding a cure. Well, I actually have been a lifelong member of that foundation, but I don't want a cure. Like, I accept myself for what I am, and there's nothing wrong with me. I will just, I, I am okay to be tone challenged for all my life. Oh, and I'm I just, sorry. I don't, I don't sing, and that works. You know, people are in church, and they try to hand you one of those hymnals, and I just look at them, and they, they take that hymnal away, and they never offer it again because they just know this will, this will offend God and man. You just you don't let me sing. So, so yes, I donated $150. I actually paid them to not find the cure so I could just be happy. Oh, I read that press release wrong. I apologize. You did. It's, you're, you're, you're as bad at reading as you are at telling stories, but it's okay. <laughs> well, podcast. The story had to take a turn because you get so outraged at the whole no pants issue. But I'm telling you, if you would just try it, you would understand the comfort that's involved. Oh, I can't do it. I have I have standards. That's that's going to forever be why we never agree on anything. <laughs> well, my moral compass is spinning like a dervish most of the time. Speaking of spinning like a dervish, I am about to flip the Guam quarter of fate, but we haven't told the listeners what our topic will be today. Well, if any of them are listed left at this point, <laughs> we're going to discuss beer, cans versus bottles. Which is better? Ooh. If it's, let's say, heads up is bottles for me, tails up is cans for me. All right. Heads is bottles, tails. I like this debate. I like this topic. All right. Here we go. Guam quarter of fate. Oh. All right. It landed under the microphone, but I have pulled it. It's actually heads. George Washington and not Guam is looking at me. And so you, sir, get bottles. Beer in a bottle. All right, well, I'll just jump right into it here, because once again, the fate has handed me the correct <laughs> side of this argument. I don't know how that always happens. Just, I'm very blessed. <laughs> I don't know. So, so anomaly, yeah. statistically. But I mean, it's just, it's like, drinking is about the experience. You know, you don't want to necessarily go and, you know, we're, we're not in college anymore. We're not going to bong a beer. We're not going <laughs> to shotgun a beer. We're going to drink beer like adults. And part of that experience is popping the cap off and sitting there and drinking a cold one with a glass. The glass allows you to kind of see the beer beforehand. You can check it for impurities, make sure nobody threw, like, <laughs> nails into the bottling plant. And also, it's great for self-defense. Like, you, some, some big guy at the bar comes up and tries to fight. You take that bottle and you smash it and you're ready to go. I'd like to see you defend yourself with a can. It can't be done. 
I <laughs> I don't know what you're doing that you're getting into bar fights at like uh, I don't know how old you are now, nineteen and a half. I, or I get something along like with it. everybody else as well as I get along with you. <laughs> All right, well, fortunately, you wouldn't attack a guy with glasses, which is why I keep wearing these things. Beer <laughs> bottles is fine, and if you're able to look through that darkened Miller Light bottle and check it for impurities, you must be like Superman with X-ray vision. <laughs> and who puts nails in beer? What do you tell your children when they trick or treat? You've got to X-ray all their candy first. Trying to stop them from drinking beer at seven is what I'm doing. Don't, <laughs> don't drink the nail beer, kids. Well, you know, you brought up shotgunning, and that brings me to one of my favorite high school memories, and that was going to see a sure thing with John Cusack and Daphne Zuniga, and that is when I learned how you poke a hole in the bottom of the beer can, put that up to your mouth like a spigot, and then pop the top all at once. How do you get that experience with a bottle? You'd have to break it off on the bar and get shards in your mouth. I guess I'm just old enough that I want to actually taste what I'm ingesting. I mean, beyond <laughs> safety to make sure that you're not drinking poison, you know, I drink it for the flavor. I mean, getting drunk is a perk. Man, in fact, maybe it's the entire point, but I want to get drunk <laughs> drinking something that actually is worthwhile and tastes good. I mean, really, cans are just for the quick convenience that you just you want to get it Absolutely. in your stomach as fast as you can. And if you're going to do that, why don't you just shoot whiskey? I mean, it tastes like garbage. You throw it past your tongue as far as you can, and you're done. That's that's what you're going for. You're going for whiskey in a can here. I, I drink beer, whiskey I drink it slow, and I enjoy it. I use bottles. Well, bottles may preserve the flavor, but cans are all about convenience. Cans are like CDs of the the beer world. That You're clunking around with vinyl, that uh, you've got eight tracks and cassette tapes that you're fumbling around with. The, the beer cans are slick and they're smooth. They're easy to store. They're easy to pack. You got coolers that are built specifically for beer cans and they don't break. You can take a can onto the beach and not worry about shattering glass and putting 16 children in the hospital with the same foot injury. Cans, they, they do the job and really the job is to transport the beer from the factory to your stomach and cans do that better. They're safer. They're easier to deal with. You don't have to, I know you wear a pair of sandals that has a bottle of Open or built right into the bottom of them because that's the way you are. You don't want to be too far from your precious Miller Lite, Mother's Milk, by the way. But cans, you don't need that. You just pop that little tab, and cans don't even have a pull tab anymore that you have to worry about discarding and getting a paper cut on the side of. Cans, How now the tab stays you? right on the top. <laughs> We had cone top beer cans when I was a kid, and that's not even an exaggeration. <laughs> I, uh, I I can counteract one of those points right now. The beer rest cans are landing. My uh, my my pig broke one the other day. She died. How many times have you ever heard that sentence put together? All those words in that order. <laughs> Only right here. That's why our one listener tunes in for English language sentences they've never heard. I had I had had three cases of beer from a party or something combined down. <laughs> So it was a mixed case of various cheap beers. And my pig, because she can smell everything even through metal, decided today she was going to tip it over. Wow. And her teeth picture the bottom of it. And it leaked. Uh, the, the beer can leaked. Uh, I lost half a can of Miller. And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to drink the other half. I think this one's just gone. <laughs> you get so swine down from sink. that. But uh, her teeth could not have penetrated a glass bottle. But more importantly, the glass bottles are better for the environment. environment. You don't even have to send it back to some big plant to recycle it. 
I, I homebrew. So after I drink a bottle, I have gained a container for my own brews later on. I can wash it out, clean it, reuse it, you know, 10, 20, 50 more times. And I'm good to go. Well, you're over there. And after you drink your beer, what are you left with? A useless chunk of metal that smells awful. And you're just going to take it and crush it and throw it away, and that's that. The world is falling apart because of canned drinkers like you. You know, the other 99% of normal people that don't brew things in their bathtub because apparently prohibition is now out the window and you moonshiners are... There's probably one of you in every town. For the rest of us... Mass-produced beer actually tastes better because it has better consistency across the board. And once again, uh, by the way, let me just go off the board for a second and say, when I was a kid, I had a beer can collection. And it was fun. It was cool. That now, I did grow up in Wisconsin. I have to put that caveat in place. Now, when you say it was cool, is this you saying it was cool, your mom saying it was cool, or your imaginary friend saying it was cool? Uh, mom might have thrown them out when I <laughs> turned about 15. <laughs> But I had a great collection, and I had a book that had, like, a price guide of what your every beer can was worth, all the rare ones. I had a few Zero. of the rare ones. <laughs> across the board, you're collecting garbage. <laughs> but garbage with great artwork. It's like album covers. It's a lost art nowadays. My wife, by the way, hears that I collected beer cans when I was eight, and she thinks that explains a lot about what's gone wrong <laughs> since then. But uh, again, beer bottles aren't works of art. Beer cans are. And especially if you go back in time, if you can get your hands on cone top cans, flat top cans, uh, you've got the pull tab cans. Sometimes you get cans that are still, you get dummy cans where the top is intact, the tab is intact, but there's no beer in it. Those were worth a lot of money. And uh, sometimes you get a full one that's from like 1968. And man, those things are like, like collecting gold. I have so many questions that I need to Google right now, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give in to your bizarre fantasy land from ages past. Cans with no beer in them? What is the point? What what were you doing with your life? Also, I envision your beer collection yeah. as just like 60 empty Miller cans, identical <laughs> Miller cans just up there. My precious, you know, this, this no, saddest man. collection ever. We had you go around steal them from your dad after he finished drinking them. I see your hand going up and pull, pulling it off the table. After he passed out, I just eased it out of his hand. Yeah. Sometimes he clutched oh. them to his chest. But the bottles, the bottles have just as good of art, but they're much more permanent. You could wash them out and, you know, depending on how the label is applied, it, it stays on there. If you're going to collect anything, collect the glass that has a, a tad bit of class to it. i mean who collects aluminum you get a strong breeze through there and it all falls down i mean the only thing you do with aluminum is is build pyramids out of it my uh my next door neighbors in college spent an entire semester <laughs> building a pyramid of what was probably pbr or miller high life or one of those <laughs> red and white it and smelled blue. off books you know they're not going down to the dorm bathroom to rinse them out every time there probably has some backwash in the bottom and one day one auspicious day that tower came tumbling down. <laughs> Believe it or not, it was up the building codes. You could hear it crashing all through the building. That is what a lifetime of cans gets you. A lifetime of bottles just gets you some artwork you can put off to the side. You know, Collecting bottles is where it's at. Drinking bottles is where it's at. You're way off at base, you as know, always. You know, Sigmund Freud actually just made a cameo in this show because you made a slip that really tipped your hand when you said collecting bottles is bad a minute ago. You meant to say cans, but I am a student enough to pick up on those kinds of slips. <laughs> 
I uh, I don't know what you're talking about, and since I never go back and listen to these <laughs> podcasts, I'm going to say it didn't happen. Ask your mother about it. She will chastise you like she did when you were in college under the age of 21 and drinking. When I was in college, I, the drinking age was 18. I did not drink until I was 21, and I regret it to this day. That was three years of drinking time I wasted. Man. <laughs> that was only three years ago. <laughs> so recent. I wish. I wish. I am. I am closer to age to you than I would like to admit, and it fills me with terror every day that I'm <laughs> well, getting up there. But but seriously, uh, I, I don't know how you could possibly. Everybody, like all the serious beer drinkers, they all prefer they all prefer bottles. That's that's where the homebrew starts out. That's where the microbrews start out. Yeah, that's if you're not gonna if you're if you're either gonna go for a bottle or if you want a lot of beer really fast you go for the keg like the the cans are this awkward in between stage uh, <laughs> it's a burden to everybody don't do it you know there used to be a beer when I was a kid and I wish I could remember what the beer was but it came in like a mini keg the the can looked like a keg and I, that was one of the hot collector's items they still I mean they're, they're, Heineken sells those mini Heineken, kegs it was Have probably one, one of the Heinies yes. Yes, God. See, you're good at this game. I like it's not that. A, it's not a great beer. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not the most sophisticated beer drinker in the world, as I'm sure you've surmised by <laughs> now. But I have bad memories of Heineken. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you brew your own and drink with your pinky in the air. Oh, it's my beer. My my homebrew is not real homebrew. Like the real homebrewers, they create spreadsheets and they do five gallons at a time, and it's all from scratch. Like I get the kits, man. I get there's like two ingredients. You dump it together. You pour it in this two gallon <laughs> container, and two months later, you got beer. And then, and then the- my wife doesn't think I have an alcohol problem. She thinks I have a hobby. So there's a reason you homebrew. Okay, it's a cover story. It, makes, is, it makes total sense. That's the Kool Aid of beer. What's the Kool-Aid of beer? You have two ingredients, and then some big guy wearing a pitcher comes breaking through your wall. You're too, you don't even remember those commercials, do you? That's how I young do, you are. Those are an internet meme. Oh do you remember what the internet God. is? Have you heard of the meme? <laughs> the, uh, but, but, it's, but there are more com- complex ingredients, but somebody else puts them in. But that's, and then you know my kids get involved. I have them help me bottle the beer and clean it, with again, with these bottles that I have saved from other beers. So every time... I buy beer, my wife thinks I'm getting a good deal. I'm drinking the bottles, then I'm saving the bottles for when I produce cheaper homebrew later. <laughs> like the economics just add up. I'm making money off off you know off bottles. It's amazing. All right. Cans. For you one percenters that can't afford glass, I suppose <laughs> that's the way it has to work. For the rest of us, cans equal convenience and that equals more beer. I gotta I gotta get us wrapped up here. We're over the eighteen minute mark. 18 minutes? Seriously? You know why? It was your roller derby story. It was nine minutes of the podcast. Well, we got to slide out of here on that fair note, or we'll roll out of here, perhaps. All right. I'm just going to assume that I won that because I usually get the last word in here. So we're going to wrap it. What do you guys think? And those of you that drink beer like James, you probably are too snooty to pretend that you even like this podcast. But for the rest of you, get in touch with us on social media. James, all of you know, he's the exploding unicorn with just a big capital X on Twitter. And he is exploding the way you learned it in grammar school on Facebook. Get a part of his, or be a part, become a part of his fan page and follow me on Twitter at Steve Olivas. Steve and Olivas both have a V, and I actually can't think of a beer that starts with V. I got Viceroy, and that's a whole different thing. Anyway, until next time, and next week, we'll come back to you and have another one of these great arguments, and we always plan these out ahead of time. What are we doing next week, James? 
Nobody knows. Nobody. <laughs> That's actually true. Medical science has no idea. Until then, this is Steve Olivas for James the Exploding Unicorn Breakwell saying thanks for listening, everybody.